This is John Clay, sports columnist for the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. I wanted to say just a quick word to thank everyone who supports our work at Kentucky.com and the Lexington Herald Leader. And remind you, you can get a sports-only subscription to Kentucky.com, a digital subscription where you get all of our sports coverage. That's Kentucky basketball with Jerry Tipton, Kentucky football with Josh Moore. You get our my columns, Mark Story's columns. You get Kentucky recruiting, basketball recruiting with Ben Roberts. You get all of our high school coverage with Jared Peck. $30 for the first year for a sports-only subscription to Kentucky.com. Please check that out. Go to Kentucky.com, hit the subscribe button, check out all of our offers. And once again, we thank everyone who supports our work at the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist for the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. On today's podcast, we're going to review Kentucky's 34-7 win over Tennessee uh, on Saturday at Nayland Stadium. In case you haven't heard, uh, it was Kentucky's first win over Tennessee in Knoxville since 1984. Joining me to review the game and look ahead to Missouri is my friend and colleague and fellow sports columnist from the Herald Leader, Mark Story. We're not going to waste any more time. We're going to get right to Mark's story of the Herald Leader talking about Kentucky's win over Tennessee. Okay, my guest is Mark Story, uh, my fellow sports columnist at the Herald Leader, friend and colleague. And uh, Mark, first of all, how, how's it going? It's going great, John. Well, that's good. And then, uh, of course, uh, yesterday, Kentucky uh, did what it had not done since 1984, won a football game at Nayland Stadium in Tennessee. Not only not only did they win the football game, but, I mean, they won it convincingly. Uh, how Shock, surprised, not surprised. What? How, how did I mean? Now that it's uh, we're, I guess. Well, we're about twenty four hours after it happened since it was a noon game. What do you think about? What's your reaction to the game now? Well, it was just surreal, and you know, to watch Kentucky not just winning in Knoxville, which I have never never seen in person, and still haven't. <laughs> but um, I've but only seen one, watch- and that was a fan, not as a journalist. <laughs> but but just to see um just to be watching as Kentucky just runs Tennessee out of Neyland Stadium, I mean it was just surreal. And you think of all the games we you know that you and I have covered there, you know all the fifty nine to you know twenty one oh, yeah. blowouts and you know the the thing two years ago when Kentucky clearly had the better team and you know just turned up flat after that Georgia game and and lost in a way that you know for a lot of Kentucky fans I think that loss really took a lot of shine off the season. So to see Kentucky to go to that you know what had been kind of a house of horrors for UK football. And as we, as we both indicated, not just win, just kick, kick Tennessee's tail. I mean, it was, it was just, it was an amazing thing to see. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. The only time I went uh, with my family uh, when they beat them in 1976, uh, uh, the seven, nothing game uh, at Tennessee, which the, in which the clinch, the uh, peach bowl bid, uh, 
and so I was, you know, I was just, I was uh, in high school at the time, but that's the only time I wasn't there in 84 when they, uh, when they beat them in 84. So yeah, we were neither one of us, as uh, we explained on the podcast with Josh Moore leading up, we only got in this time of COVID, they're limiting the credentials uh, for media outlets. We only got one credential and Josh Moore, our beat writer took the one credential. So we covered it from, uh, from home uh, on TV. Um, so what was, what, you know, as you said, it was surreal to watch not only Kentucky win the game, but win the game so convincingly. Uh, what do you think was the difference? Why were they able to do that? Well, it, I, I'm amazed by the Kentucky defense and the transformation. You know, I left Kroger Field the night of the Ole Miss game. You know, I wasn't sure Kentucky was going to win three games, and I thought the defense was just had been a tremendous disappointment right. and you know now the next three you know who would have ever dreamed that night that in kentucky's next three halves that defense was going to force 10 turnovers right. and you know they kentucky scored three straight touchdowns over two games on pick sixes right has that ever happened and i mean has that ever happened that's amazing <laughs> it is amazing <laughs> yeah they scored four, they scored 14 points without running an offensive play in the second quarter after Joseph uh, Kelvin Joseph picked off the pass and ran I think 41 yards for the touchdown and then Jamin Davis picks off a pass and goes 85 yards for a touchdown and Kentucky hadn't offense hadn't even gotten on the field yet and they were up 14 to nothing and and you go back to the Mississippi State game and you know Jordan Wright finished that off with a pick six so you know three right. three touchdowns exactly. in a row right scored it's by the defense on interception returns right it's you know it's amazing you know going back to the Mississippi State stat I heard a stat the other day uh, there's a podcast that I listen to college football bros these three brothers out in California who love college football they're actually Nebraska fans and they they do a podcast it's an entertaining podcast they claimed on that podcast that Mississippi State game is, was the first game in uh, college history where a team threw 70 passes and did not score an offensive point. We knew that Mike Leach had, uh, <laughs> Mike Leach, uh, they claimed, I think, I think they said 49 times a team had thrown 70 passes uh, and had not scored, uh, not scored a point or not, had thrown 70 passes in a game. But that was the first time that the team had scored, thrown 70 points, thrown 70 passes and not scored an offensive point. But yeah, then to come around after that six interceptions and then have uh, they also had a fumble, so they ended up with ten. They've had ten forced ten turnovers over the last uh, two games, and as you mentioned, basically in three halves because those turnovers were in the first half. It's it's pretty amazing. And you know the other thing, the offense. You know, I didn't think the offense played very well the first half, but as you mentioned, they weren't on the field since the defense was scoring touchdowns. But you know, when Kentucky got the the third interception. And, and the touchdown pass was dropped, leading to the field goal. And then Tennessee just drives it back down the field, you know, 17-7. I think anybody that has, you know, a long relationship with Kentucky-Tennessee football thought, uh-oh, they left the door open right. and the momentum switching. I thought the offense, the drive that started the second half, I thought that was tremendously important in that game. And I thought the fact that, you know, they came out and they threw it. You know, Terry hit Josh Ali on the long out that was ruled you know that he was ruled out of bounds they overturned on the replay then he hit you know josh on a slant and then he hit alan daly on a moderately long pass and i thought that those passes early opened up the running game and and i thought that was a big key that kentucky then went and scored and you know sort of sent the message this isn't going to be like it usually
usually is. You know, they're they're Kentucky's here to finish the job, and I thought that drive was huge. No, yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And I, I'll be interested when we get Eddie Grant on Tuesday to ask Eddie. You know, was that a halftime adjustment? Did they see something from upstairs and decide on halftime? Because yeah, I mean, Tennessee was definitely crowding the box. They'd done a good job of controlling the running game. Uh, when Kentucky did have the ball in the first half, which you mentioned wasn't all that, you know, didn't have the ball all that much uh, because the defense was doing such a great job. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. I thought that was a huge drive, and I thought those passes made Tennessee kind of back out of the box a little bit. They had to respect the pass, uh, and it and they executed those passes. One thing to call those plays, is, but you got to execute those plays, and they were able to execute those plays. And uh, let's talk a little bit about the offense. You wrote about Terry Wilson. Uh, I thought it was interesting, Kentucky's quarterback. I thought it was interesting during the game. It seemed like, I mean, Tom Hart, the play-by-play guy, was all but saying that Mark Stoops was ready to jerk, you know, but uh, Terry Wilson at any minute and bring in, you know, and make a quarterback change and go to Joey Gatewood. And we asked Mark, I think John Hale asked Mark after the game, and Mark said that that wasn't true, that Terry is our quarterback. It's like any other position. If he was playing horribly, we have somebody else we could put in there. But he is our starting quarterback. But uh, as you wrote in your column, Terry's accomplished a lot for a guy who always seems to be on, or at least in the fans' eyes, is always seems to be on a short leash. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, when he comes back to reunions and they just, you know, announce him and read his accomplishments, you know, he's going to, I mean, he's going to be the biggest man on campus. <laughs> I mean, you look at, look at what he's done. I mean, he went to Florida and ended that 31 game losing streak and played a big part in that win. He did, you know, threw for, threw for two touchdowns and ran for one. Yeah, you know, they he, had over 100 yards rush, rushing that night, if I remember correctly. Right. Was He was a big part of that. And then, you know, 10-win season, only the third in Kentucky history, quarterback of that. Beat Penn State in a New Year's Day Bowl, quarterback of that. You know, led that miraculous comeback at Missouri in 2018, quarterback of that. Now you add, you know, beats Tennessee in Knoxville. First time a Kentucky quarterback's done that since 1984. You know, that has road wins at Tennessee and at Florida, which only Derek Ramsey in Kentucky history could claim. I mean, it's amazing, and I understand. You know, I don't think Terry is a great quarterback. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Tim Couch. I do think he's a winning quarterback, and I think sometimes people underappreciate quarterbacks who just do what it takes. You know, he's playing on an era when Kentucky is really good at running the football and plays good defense. You know, not screwing it up is a quarterback skill that I think deserves some appreciation. All right. And do you think part of it this year is because they do have a guy uh, transfer from Auburn and Joey Gaywood, who was an acclaimed recruit? You know, anytime you know Kentucky can get a transfer, especially when you get a transfer from an SEC school who was highly recruited, people, you know, as we have said and others have said a million times, the most popular guy on the team is the second string quarterback. Not only do you have Joey Gaywood, but you got Bo Allen, who the coaches have raved about, who's a local kid and a local product. So do you think that just kind of adds to it this year? Yeah, I do. I think the fact that you have not one but two, you know, backup quarterbacks who were very highly touted recruits and no and we haven't really seen them play. Right. So, you know, the possibilities of what they can do, you know, weigh heavily in people's minds, but we haven't seen their limitations. You know, meanwhile, you know, Terry's out there and, you know, he was really bad against Mississippi State. I mean, there's no argument about that. Right. Now, you know, he, he didn't get a lot of help. You know, the receivers could have made some plays early in that game that, you know, maybe if they make those catches, you know, he sort of, you know, gets gets his confidence and starts feeling better and the night goes differently. But 
you know, he's not getting a lot of help from his from his receivers. It doesn't seem to me. But to go back to your to your question, yeah, I think you know when you have not just one but two, you know, very touted recruits at the quarterback position that we've never seen play. I think, yeah, I think that you know leads to sort of a a a short fuse for fans on wanting to wanting to you know see what they can do. Right. Yeah. I mean, was it uh, Upshaw who uh, there Saturday could have. had the catch what in the back of the end zone it got knocked either it got knocked out of his hands i thought he was kind of bobbling it before he got knocked out uh but at that point in the game he thought that might turn out to be a big play where they had to s- settle there but then i thought the pass he threw to alan daly for the touchdown was a perfect pass i don't think he could have thrown it any better than he threw that pass down on the goal line on a third and goal yeah that was a, that was a tremendous play call too because tennessee as kentucky fans remember all too well from last year tennessee's really good against the run at the goal line, and, yeah. you know, they had the goal line stand right before halftime against Georgia last week. So I thought that was a really good play call. And yeah, that was a perfect pass. And Daly may have pushed off a little bit, but he ran a great route too. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently Jeremy Pruitt thought he pushed off. <laughs> I thought Pruitt, Tennessee really showed their frustration and lack of discipline after that. I thought, you know, Pruitt gets a unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. He had a couple of other penalties where a uh, frustration. I don't think this Tennessee team took too well to be in the first team to lose to Kentucky at home since '84. Uh, but uh, yeah, <laughs> there was the issue. Who who was it that got kicked in the gonads? Yeah, <laughs> they're on the sidelines. Uh, yeah, was it Demarcus Harris? I can't remember. Uh, it was a wide. Yeah, I'm not. I don't. Yeah. It, it was a wide receiver. One of the wide receivers, right? Okay. Now, obviously, you know. To Kentucky fans, it's a huge deal to uh, win at Tennessee, finally break the streak. They lost 17 straight, I think, in, in Knoxville to Tennessee and do it in convincing fashion. What does this do for Kentucky as far as the rest of the season? As you mentioned, they started out 0-2. Now they've won two games in convincing fashion over Mississippi State and Tennessee. You're looking at a league where, you know, obviously Alabama's 4-0. They proved last night they're still Alabama. I think Georgia's still really good, although they couldn't keep up with Alabama in the second half. But after that, you've got a lot of teams that are two and two. I think Texas A&M is three and one, but the rest of the league is either two and two or one and two, pretty much, with the exception of, you know, Mississippi State's now one and three, Vanderbilt's zero and three, and they've got all kinds of COVID problems. What does this do as far as Kentucky is, you know, when you look at the rest of the SEC moving forward? Well, it's it, it does two things in my opinion. It certainly re-energizes the rest of the season. You know, that win at Tennessee is something that's going to mean a lot to the fans, no matter what happens going forward. But you know, I think it gives the team, you know, they appear to be improving. If they were to get the offense, if the offense that played the second half, you know, can play like that, you know, at least somewhat consistently with the way they're playing defense, you know, they become an interesting team. You know, the other thing that you know I think it it, it does for Kentucky is that, you know, I just think they're going to take so much confidence out of this. And, you know, I'm not predicting this, but, you know, they do control their own fate uh, in the SEC East. All they'd have to do is win at Florida, at Alabama, and beat Georgia at down. <laughs> That's it. That's all. It sounds pretty simple when you just say it like that. But, uh, yeah. Well, now they go to Missouri because of the COVID shuffle. The conference had to do a COVID shuffle on Friday. They were supposed to play Georgia at home this Saturday. Instead, they go to Missouri. They moved the Missouri game. They basically flipped the games. Missouri is uh, now in the 24th. Uh, 24th and still the game is still in Columbia and then they'll play Georgia 
here at Kroger Field on the 31st. In fact, yesterday when Stoop started his uh, press conference Zoom with us, he said, come on, let's get this going. I got a new, uh, they tell me I got a new team to prepare for uh, because I'm sure they'd already, I'm sure they've done work on Missouri too, but I'm sure they probably tried to get a head start on Georgia as much as they could. Uh, what about uh, what about Missouri? You write the first look uh, preview about Missouri coming out of the games at the next opponent. What about Missouri? Well, first of all, I don't know that the SEC did Kentucky any favors here. No. You were getting Georgia off the uh, Alabama game, Correct. which I thought you know, it was a pretty good setup for Kentucky. Right. And you and, and under the original schedule, Kentucky and Missouri would have both been playing. It would have been the fifth and five straight. Uh, sec games right it, they would have each have been had played the same number of weeks leading into the game well now you're getting kentucky now you're getting both missouri and georgia off open dates right you now you know maybe that doesn't maybe that won't matter but i don't if i were mark stoops even allowing for you know this is a weird year and you know, you're going to have to be flexible i wouldn't be thrilled about the way this went down no now, you know, I haven't said this. I think this is an interesting game. You know, in the Missouri media, when Barry Odom got fired, one of the reasons cited in everything you read was that he'd lost five straight to Kentucky. Right. So, you know, now, now you're, Kentucky's going back to Columbia the first time since that miraculous comeback there two years ago. You know, Eli Drinkwitz, you know, considered kind of a, an offensive mastermind. You know, they lit up LSU in their most recent game. Not that that... That doesn't appear to be that great an accomplishment, but still. Right. So, you know, I think it's, you know, I, 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 my guess is Kentucky will not come back flat from Tennessee, that they'll be energized. But, you know, I don't know that I, I wouldn't be shocked if they, they were a little flat, but that's not what I think will happen. No, no. Going back to your first point, no, I think you're right. If I was Mark Stoops, I wouldn't be too happy about the flip. Uh, I mean, if you're ten, I'm sure Tennessee fans, some of them may could make the excuse that you know we were flat, just like Kentucky was flat coming off the Georgia loss against Tennessee uh, a couple of years ago. You know, we were flat coming off the Georgia loss. Georgia was a big game for us. We didn't play well in the second half. It was obviously disappointing, so we were flat against Kentucky, um, and now. Uh, Georgia coming off that loss to Alabama, they get another week to prepare. They also get another week to look at their quarterback situation because I didn't think Stetson Bennett last night. Uh, I think he showed, uh, you know, why he's a little compromised at quarterback, five eleven quarterback. I think Alabama knocked down four of his passes, intercepted three other ones. You know, after the game, Kirby Smart said that he's, you know, he still have confidence in Bennett he, that he's going to stick with him, but he does have a couple of other options. So it'll be interesting to see with an off week what they do. Uh, yeah, and you mentioned yeah they get Missouri where Missouri now is coming off off and off week since their game against Vanderbilt was postponed because of the uh, uh, COVID. The other thing about Missouri, it looked like in the LSU game and the la- well really starting with the second half of the Tennessee game, they found a quarterback in the redshirt freshman um, Connor is it Basilak I think uh, uh, kid out of Ohio and Drinkwitz's reputation he was the head coach at App- he followed Scott Satterfield at Appalachian State he does have the uh, reputation for being an offensive guy uh, who can put points on the board and they put points on the board as you mentioned against LSU uh, yeah it'll be Kentucky's defense against an, a, a team that wants to run an up-tempo offense and wants to score points so it's another one of those matchups yeah you know Kentucky recruited Basilac really hard I mean a kid out of Dayton and it's um it's interesting. I've forgot, forgotten that, but yeah, I've, now that you mentioned that, that's right. It, and you know they do. He's he's looked good. I, I I saw a little bit of um, 
highlights out of the LSU game, and he he made some good throws. Yeah, yeah, it's good. You know, it's funny you mentioned Barry Odom. You know, and they fired Barry Odom. Odom's done a heck of a job at Arkansas so far as their defensive coordinator. <laughs> Arkansas Boy, won, sure. two, won two games last year. Uh, won all two games last year, and now they've already under Sam Pittman. They're two and two in their defense. They held Ole Miss to twenty-one points yesterday, and we know after we saw Ole Miss the second week, and after Alabama saw him last week, holding Ole Miss to twenty-one is a pretty good accomplishment. Yeah, he's. I mean, he was the guy even before Kentucky, you know, shut down Leach. You know, Odom had done it the week before, and then yeah, to to do what they did against Ole Miss, a team nobody had been able to stop. I mean. You know, I will confess, I thought the Sam Pittman hire was questionable, and he's he's probably the he might be the SEC coach of the year. Yeah. If it was right now. I mean, they were you know god awful last year, and I mean they could have easily they probably should have beaten Auburn, and you know the, I think the officials blew the call on Bo Nix's grounding uh, there at the end of the game, or they had a good chance to win that game. Uh, so, and they play, they gave Georgia a pretty good game in the opener. So, you know, they, I would did say they're definitely the surprise team, surprise team so far. Um, uh, anything else about Kentucky as we come out of this week? Uh, anything else about the game uh, on Saturday? I think the big question moving forward is, will I pick a game right all year? <laughs> well, it's been so- a crazy year. <laughs> So far, I'm 0 for 4 on these Kentucky games, and I now have people like texting me, begging me to pick against them, no, no matter what I really think. <laughs> Just pick against them all the rest of the way, huh? all 10 yeah. games. Pick Missouri. They're, they'll pay you to pick Missouri. Is that right? Yeah, One, we the, got a scary thing Saturday when Quentin Boha- Bohanna got hurt, and because uh, the coaches have raved about the way that he has played leading up to it, but he apparently is okay. He texted after the game that he was okay, or he tweeted after the game he was okay. One of the players, I think it was Jamin Davis, said that the, what he got up on the chair and spoke to the team after the game and said that he was okay. Uh, but hopefully he's back because they don't need to. They don't need to lose him. Yeah, he would be a very important uh, loss out of the middle of the defense. You know, they they are better equipped than Kentucky traditionally is. You know, I think Marquand McCall is a pretty good player, and you know, they have a five-star you know recruit. You know, even behind him and Justin Rogers. But yeah, you don't want to. You know, Bohanna is arguably the core of that defense. You know, get the guy in the middle, and that would be a big, big loss. Another guy, real quick before I let you go, and and who's played, I think, well, and in a position that we had some questions about before the season because of the loss of Chris Oates is is Jamin Davis. I think Jamin Davis and Jordan Wright have both played well. Every time you look around, it seems like one of those guys is making a play. I think that's been a really big help to the defense. You know, it's interesting. You know, there's obviously been a lot of attention on how well Mark Stoops is recruited for Kentucky. You know, in comparison to you know Kentucky's recent history and and that's that's justified but they've been really good too at finding sort of diamonds in the rough Mm -hmm. and you know you look at book you know boogie watson was a two-star recruit and he's a really good player an s a winning sec player you know jamin davis you know he was not a big you know he he was a player out of georgia that you know the in-state Georgia and Georgia Tech weren't recruiting, and, and I I think you're right. I think he's played really well, and I thought he was you know he was coming on strong at the end of last year. Uh-huh. He, he played re- he played really well in November last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. He was yeah he was coming on, and I think Jordan Wright has done a good job. You know at the uh, at the at the outside linebacker position, and we saw some flashes yesterday. I thought too of uh, people like uh, Jared Casey and, and JJ Weaver. 
uh, where they made, you know, they kind of stuck out for making plays, you know, and where they're, you know, one of the things I think Stoops has been able to do that other coaches have wanted to do, but just weren't able to get it done is really building some depth on defense. Like you mentioned, if for some reason Bohanna can't come back or, he, or he's questionable this week, they do have, I thought McCall must have played pretty well because at first when Bohanna went out, it seemed like Tennessee was really attacking the middle and getting good yardage, but then they didn't, of course, I know they got behind, they had to throw it more. Uh, but I didn't notice them, you know, being beat up the middle as much uh, as the game went on. Yeah, you know, the um, the thing that Stoops has been able to do that Kentucky, at least in my lifetime, unless you go back to the 70s, they're so long and athletic. They are. I mean, J.J. Weaver is long. Jamin Davis is long. Jordan Wright is long. Jared Casey's long. I mean, they, they you know, to, to use a phrase Rich Brooks, used, they look like the teams they play against now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And a lot of that goes back to recognizing, you know, what you can do with those guys and seeing them not as they are right now, but what they can be down the road. And I think Stoops, is, they've obviously done an excellent job of that. Uh, well, we got a we got a week coming up here to Missouri, which turns out to be a road game instead of the home game against Georgia. It'll be an interesting week to break down, the, the still break down some of the Kentucky win over Tennessee and then look ahead to Missouri. Uh, anything else before I let you go, Mark, except, uh, your, your Dodgers, are you confident about your Dodgers tonight? I'm hopeful. Hopeful. Okay. Well, that's a good way to look at it. <laughs> Game seven of the Dodgers, uh, Braves. That should be interesting, interesting tonight. Um, so who, who are the Dodgers pitching? I don't, I'm not sure they've announced. Okay. When last I saw they hadn't announced, uh, I, ex- I expect it to be Tony Gonsolin, but yeah. I guess we'll see. Be all hands on deck. I'm sure. Yeah, probably. I would think so. Probably. So, okay, Mark. Uh, well, be sure and follow Mark on Twitter at Mark C Story. He'll have plenty of uh, coverage as we lead through the week. He'll have his predictions. Be sure and look for that to see who Mark's <laughs> predicting. <laughs> and then, and then, and then bet the opposite. And way. then bet the op- Yeah. Then head 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 on down to your uh, local betting establishment and go the opposite opposite way. Uh, but anyway, Mark, as always, thanks for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks, John. Okay, thanks to Mark for being on the podcast. Thanks to you for listening to the podcast. You can find these podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeart Radio Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review when you subscribe to the and subscribe to the podcast, and leave us a rating and review. That really helps get the word out about these podcasts. If you missed it, I had a podcast last week with Ben Roberts uh, talking about UK basketball recruiting and about what the current situation is with Olivier Saar. You might want to check that out as well. We have a podcast later this week uh, with Josh Moore previewing the Missouri game uh, leading up to the game on Saturday. We we'll have plenty of coverage leading up to the game on Saturday as Kentucky travels to Columbia to take on the Missouri Tigers. So be sure and look for that. You can follow me on Twitter, John Clay IV. You can send me an email, jclay at herald-leader.com. I appreciate any feedback that we get on the podcast. And like I said, we really appreciate you listening to these podcasts. Thanks again. We'll be talking to you again soon.